Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent, author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, which, as you know, is available as a paperback, an audiobook, and the ebook is free. Free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. And that is a story about an 11 year old detective. And we're going to be talking a lot about mysteries. So I want to make sure you know I've written one myself, and you can get the ebook for free. Once you're hooked, come see me with money for the sequels, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People, and Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy. Under the super secret pen name Robert, I've written some novels for older readers, such as All Together Now a Zombie Story and The Book of David, which is a serial horror novel about an atheist in Indiana who purchases a haunted home that then begins to give him uh, religious visions involving flying saucers. It's nuts. It's a whole lot of fun. And The Book of David, Chapter 1 by Robert Kent is also available to download for free whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. Happy Fourth of July, esteemed audience. I um, couldn't be more excited to celebrate the 4th of July. I've got four guests with us. If you're listening to this a date other than the 4th of July, we're still happy to have you with us. This is still going to be a wonderful conversation. Uh, so enough from me. we got to get right to it. My guests today are Lily Evans, Tony Peruna, uh, CL or Cheryl Shore, and Janet Williams. So welcome, all of you, the sisters, uh, Speed City Sisters in Crime. Uh, and I'm going to ask each of you to give esteemed audience an overview of your background to get to know you. And I'm going to ask Lily if you wouldn't mind starting. Okay. Um, as uh, Rob said, I'm Lily Evans. I started out as a storyteller uh, doing uh, performing art. Uh, from there, I um, translated some of those storytellings into books. Ended up being an author of a book series called Grandmothers Incorporated. It's co-written with the uh, author Crystal Rhodes. Uh, the characters of those books, we've written plays, uh, one off-Broadway play actually called, by the same title, Grandmothers Incorporated. Um, I've done a play on Thomas Dorsey, not to be confused with the band Looter, but um, gospel, the father of gospel music. Um, that's been performed pretty successfully. And uh, we've formed a company, Grenco Incorporated. Um, I was a member of Sisters in Crime since, I believe, 2013. Uh, right now, um, um, I was an editor on the book, the um, anthology that we're going to discuss tonight. And uh, pretty much that is my background, trying to uh, get a fifth book out. So working on it. Uh, and then Tony? Sure. Um, well, I am uh, the author of the Nick Bertetto mystery series, which started in uh, in 2002, and there were three books in that series. And more recently, I've been writing with my daughter, Liz. We write under the name Elizabeth Perona, and our current series is, is called the Bucket List Mystery Series. Um, and it started in 2015 with Murder on the Bucket List, continued in 16 with Murder Under the Covered Bridge, which set at the Covered Bridge Festival uh, out in Park County. And then uh, the, the third one, Murder at the Mail Review, was out in 2017. And we're working on a 2020 release called Murder at the Tattoo Parlor. So if I were to go to the Covered Bridge Festival, could I find you and Liz uh, there with copies of the book to greet me? <laughs> uh, it may, in the past, perhaps, but uh, not, not, I don't think this year uh, we'll be doing that. What about the tattoo parlor? 
<laughs> we're having fun with the tattoo parlor. Um, but uh, we're, we're, in fact, we're really in the, the final um, edit stages with that. Our, uh, the writers group is going to be looking at that over the summer and hopefully we'll be publishing it in the fall. And I should mention Tony is our uh, return guest this evening. Uh, the esteemed audience checks the back catalog. There is, I believe it's a 2017 uh, in the author panel. Uh, the audio from that's included as a bonus episode way back. Uh, it was you, me, Maurice Broadus, and Sandy James. It's a heck of an episode, so don't miss that. Uh, tonight, keeping the roll call going, we're talking with Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, please introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Cheryl Shore. I write as C.L. Shore. I've been a mystery fan ever since I was in first or second grade and um, kind of cut my reading teeth on Nancy Drew, Dana Sisters, and uh, Trixie Belden books. Um, and my first writing that I did of any length as an adult was um, professional writing, which um, I credit with helping me do two things making me sit in a chair and write, and also getting through a project from beginning to end. Um, I have one suspense and two full-length mystery novels, and my latest novel is actually not a mystery, but um, <clears throat> it's the result of a class I took, courtesy of Sisters in Crime. And I have been a member of Sisters in Crime for um, over a decade, and I have been a past president. I've also written several short stories that have been published in print, some in our anthologies, one in an online publication, and of course I have um, a short story in the 2020 anthology. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, Janet, if you would introduce yourself as well. Yeah, um, I'm Janet Williams and um, I've spent most of my life as a professional writer. I'm a journalist. Um, I'm the currently the executive editor of the statehousefile.com and it's a website um, and it's a program run out of uh, Franklin College uh, with uh, journalism students. Um, as a fiction writer, I thought I was going to retire a couple of years ago and I started taking classes at the Writers' Center, um, kind of met Suzanne Harding, some folks know her. Um, she invited me to join another writing group and from there I joined Sisters in Crime and um, later in 2015 and, and became involved with the organization. Since then, I've had four short stories published in anthologies. Um, I've got a lot on the works um, and, and some, some other things that I'm working on. And I'm looking forward to retiring soon a second time so I can actually write what I want to write rather than rewriting student copy. <laughs> yes, well, wouldn't it be nice to take a break from all that writing with some more writing? Oh, how, how, how relaxing. <laughs> you know, you know, but you know it is. I mean, that's it when it's your stuff. It's so different than when you're working on other people's stuff. That's very true. Uh, and my uh, next question for all of you is going to be one. How did you uh, discover that you are an author of mysteries or that mysteries are... You, maybe not the only genre you want to write, but your preferred genre. Uh, and then two, uh, how did you find your way to the Speed City Sisters in Crime? And we'll go the exact opposite way this time. So, Janet, I'll ask you to start. Well, I found my way there, as I said, um, 
I, I retired from a corporate job in 2015, and um, I decided that hey, I always wanted to be a you know really write fiction. I have nothing holding me back, no time constraints. So I started signing up for classes again at the Writers Center. That's when I met you know Suzanne Harding um, was teaching a series of classes that. Um, it was really, really a lot of fun. She invited me to join like a small group of writers that she had gotten together called In Mysterious Company. And what we did, and from there, I just met some other writers who were also very much involved in the Speed City chapter of Sisters in Crime. So I decided to show up to see what it was like. And, you know, it's like you find your home when you find yourself surrounded by a lot of, you know, fun, smart, creative people. Um, so, I mean, that that's how I got involved. And were you always uh, thinking, I know you covered crime uh, and politics. I, I don't know which is more distasteful uh, when you were writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you always thinking that this will lead me to a career as a crime mystery writer? Or did you just have a happy accident? Um, well, I... I actually came to Indianapolis because I was offered a job um, covering uh, criminal court. Um, and that was the most interesting job. I worked for a newspaper in Pittsburgh that went on business. And um, I had my resume out like all over the country. And I actually had several, I was lucky enough to get several offers. And I didn't choose the one with the most money. I didn't even choose the city where I already knew somebody. I looked at the job and I thought, geez. Wouldn't it be fun to cover like murder and mayhem? So I came to Indiana and I ended up, one of the first cases I covered was, um, you know, some of the tail end of the, the Mike Tyson stuff. So, you know, sitting there in court, I got a seat like right, um, they sat the recorders right in the jury box. So like, I'm like, you know, five feet from, um, you know, some of the, some of the biggest characters of the day, you know, Mike Tyson, like from here to here. Um, um, and I had a front seat, I had a front, front row seat to that. Um, saw, you know, Alan Dershowitz in action in the courtroom, um, saw him in action on the street. And at that moment, I realized that you cannot trust a single word that man says, because what happened in the courtroom is not what he described on the street. Um, I can't believe that I was shocked by that, but, you know, Nothing. So that that kind of got me in, but but I've always been interested in in mysteries and um, writing, and I kind of grew up watching Perry Mason as a little kid with my mom, and I still catch Perry Mason reruns when I can today. So no, I always wanted to write. I think I wrote my first mystery when I was in about sixth grade. Um, it was a murder in a haunted house. Oh, fun! And I, I should mention that the views uh, of, but, but regarding Alan Dershowitz do not reflect the views of the Middle Grade Ninja podcast. Those are... And <laughs> 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 uh, Cheryl, uh, uh, same, now, oh, I should mention, uh, I'm chatting with all Hoosier authors this evening, esteemed audience. The regular esteemed audience members know that Indiana authors always get top billing, top priority at the Middle Grade Ninja podcast. So I'm thrilled to have four Hoosier authors for you this evening. Uh, Cheryl, same question to you. When did you know you wanted to write mysteries and how did you come to be involved with uh, the Speed City Sisters in Crime? Well, um, I always liked reading mysteries. So writing mysteries seemed to be the logical next step. Um, 
And I belong to a writing group here in Indianapolis, but it was a general writing group. And I think I was getting a little bit frustrated with the feedback I was getting. And I had a friend who had just gone to a Sisters in Crime meeting to hear a specific speaker, part of the program. So um, found out when they were meeting and, and showed up, went to, started going to a critique group, which I found so much more helpful than my um, general critique group at the time. This, this was probably 15, 20 years ago. Maybe 15. And um, I just felt like I found I found my people who understood me. They got where I was. Yeah. So they really helped me on the process. Uh, and then uh, Tony? Um, well, I think uh, like Cheryl and I think Janet said something similar. I, I grew up reading mysteries. Loved the Hardy Boys. Um, remember having a copy of the Hardy Boys Detective Handbook. It was a prized possession. Um, and so I, I, I just, you know, really, I just loved mysteries. And although I went through a short science fiction phase in, in high school, you know, by and large, mysteries have always been uh, a part of my reading uh my set of reading materials. I just always loved it. Um, and, um, but I didn't really think about writing a mystery. I had been writing uh, all through uh, college and, and uh, into graduate school. And in graduate school, I discovered that I had the ability to stick with a long project because I, I wrote a couple of um, musicals, co-wrote a couple of musicals with some friends that, that we actually produced on stage. And um, so after uh, after graduating um, and going into a profession, uh, public relations and advertising, where I was doing a lot of writing, uh, I began to think that, well, you know, as I was reading, I was going through an Agatha Christie phase at the time, and I thought, you know, I could write one of these. I mean, how hard can it be? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, it's an amateur sleuth. I was reading this marble. Look, it's an amateur sleuth, right? I mean, so they, they know somebody's lying, and so they, they go around uh, until they find out who's lying the most. And, and you know, and anyway, um, well, I, I did find out how hard it could be. And uh, the, the, the first novel that I wrote uh, is so bad it's locked away in the attic and will ever see it. But, oh, in fact, I think I've thrown it away since then. So no one will definitely ever see it. Um, but along, along in, in, in writing that, I got the idea for uh, the Nick Bertetto series, a stay-at-home dad, former investigative reporter that has a knack for solving mysteries with a supernatural element. And did three of those. And then, um, because my publisher uh, had decided they didn't want to publish any more of those, um, and, you know, I get that. Uh, I began to think about what else I wanted to do, and I loved cozies. Uh, you know, obviously a Miss Marple fan. I'm, I'm a fan of amateur sleuths, and uh, also loved uh, like Diane Mott Davidson, who wrote a lot of culinary mysteries, and loved murder she wrote. And I thought, you know, I this is this is somewhere I wanted to go with more of a cozy type feel. So, came up with uh, the bucket list mystery series which is about a group of older women who are trying to accomplish all the strange and wonderful things on their bucket list but they keep stumbling over dead bodies um and that you know that uh that took and so we've been so and then uh, my daughter came on, on on board because the editor uh that's that was publishing us at midnight inc uh really wanted uh, a, a female name on on the book she felt that cozy's sold better uh, if they had a female name and and my daughter Liz fortunately is a is a wonderful writer 
in fact, both my daughters are wonderful writers. I want to make that clear. Uh, but Liz was more available. And uh, after a bit of arm twisting and, and uh, my son-in-law, Tim, persuaded her that, that this would be a good plan. I've always loved Tim. Let me just say that. <laughs> son-in-law. Um, anyway, and so Liz came on board and we, we started doing that series. Did I answer your question? I rambled I a lot. Uh, well, we didn't talk much about. What, oh, I didn't talk about sisters in crime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, well, uh, right after uh, the first Nick Bertetto mystery came out, I joined Mystery Writers of America, and at the same time, I joined the what was then the local Sisters in Crime chapter. It was actually the I think it was called the River City chapter, and it was based out of um, down by the Ohio River. Uh, and then there were enough of us after after some time, after several years, there were enough of us that we started the Speed City chapter here in Indianapolis. Hi, Lily. Uh, well, like everybody here has said, uh, I grew up enjoying reading. Um, and I read the Judy Bolton, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, all of that. Uh, Ellery Queen, I couldn't wait to get those copies when they came out. But I never actually thought of writing. Um, I was good at storytelling, um, talking through things. I, I was cursed with this problem that <clears throat> when I told the truth, nobody believed me. I could lie up a storm and everybody would believe it. Um, so I kind of got involved in storytelling and doing contests. Uh, but then... Uh, a friend of mine said, you know, well, if you can tell a story, you can write a story. But I was like, Tony had some question of whether I could stick to a long project. Um, so what happened was uh, how I got started on my first book. Uh, a uh, niece went missing, or at least we thought she had gone missing. And uh, the family got together and was looking for her. My mom, uh, who was a character all by herself, had uh, tracked down the, this, this young lady's boyfriend, and she took me to the lady, the guy's house. And so she's questioning him, just like, I mean, Columbo couldn't have done better. And she <laughs> coincidentally had on a raincoat and this cap, and she, was, she knew all these details about the guy. I had no idea how she found out. Um, and so from that, um, oh, and her, the maternal grandmother was there also, the paternal grandmother was there also. So I got to thinking, what if there were two old ladies that started a detective agency? And I decided to call it Grandmothers Incorporated. But it was an idea that bounced around until I got with my writing partner, now my writing partner, and told her I had this idea for Grandmothers Incorporated. Now she, you guys know her, Crystal Rhodes, is a, a romance writer. But she teamed up with me and we came up with, with the book, Grandmothers Incorporated. And from that, uh, we've written... Um, Saving Sin City, There's Something Wrong with Miss Zelda, and Whose Knife Is It Anyway? Um, so that's how I got into writing. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I like storytelling better, but um, I do the writing. And from that, like I said, we launched plays, and uh, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. I've written before, but I was what I called a closet writer. <clears throat> I write all day, but I'm, you're never going to see it. Uh, and someone asked me, in fact, it was a journalist, journalism teacher. How is anybody going to know about your books if you don't write them, if you don't let people read them? And I thought, well, you know, that makes sense. Uh, so I finally ventured out and through some magazines and let uh, um, 
I sent to some publishers. And I remember the first magazine I sent out to was ages ago. I won't say how long I've been alive, but it was a magazine a long time ago called True Detective. <clears throat> and I wrote a story for that. Sent it in, and they got back a rejection letter, thanks, but no thanks. And I promise you that within a couple of months, I'm in the grocery line looking at the copy, at a copy of it, and my story is there, the one they said, no thanks. So I thought after that, you know, I can write maybe after all. So I've been encouraged with the books that I've been writing, and the writing's going on uh, uh, pretty well. So uh, I'm happy with it, and that's what I'm going to stick to now that I'm not working anymore, I'm not full-time. I used to be a... Uh, um, we're a government worker, but I've retired from that, so that's what I do full-time now. As for Sisters in Crime, um, <clears throat> I honestly don't remember how I got involved with them. I know where I was looking for a writer's group. I don't really remember how I stumbled upon them, but once I got there and I thought, well, okay, this is a group that's right here in town, no problem, uh, the people were really uh, interested in promoting and they were interested in what you did. And some of the some of you have some really great writers in Sisters in Crime in its Speed, Speed City chapter. And so um, <clears throat> I've been quite happy with the book. Um, and we've been a great partnership with them. Terrific critique group. I might give a shout out to the critique group. I should uh, ask if, if you and Tony, with Tony's experience producing musicals and your experience with plays, if we can get you crazy kids together and collaboration. A wonderful mystery <laughs> detective musical. <laughs> no, I don't see myself. I'd need Tony for a musical. I don't see myself doing that. <laughs> I was the lyricist and and uh, book. I did not do any of the music. I yeah. <laughs> I think if I throw out enough of those propositions, sooner or later one's going to have to pan out, and whichever one does, they will be obligated to thank me. The acknowledgments will just be tremendous for me. Sure. <laughs> so I have one more question just for you, Lily, because this was something that I, I couldn't resist asking about. You were a crime commentator on TV One's Unsung, is that right? Yes, yes. That was How did uh... that come to be? What kind of that experience? Well, if I had a... Um... Really strange year, not not a terrific year at all. And I had gone on a trip, and I came back. and was going through the email, and there was this email asking about um, if I'd like to be a commentator on the show. So I thought it was some spam thing, and of course I was going to delete it. My son talked me into at least answering it, and I checked them out. Um, they were a TV show that I was not familiar with and probably one I wouldn't be looking at. <laughs> but um, I did decide to take the invitation uh, and they sent me the information that I needed and I decided to go ahead through with it. It was it was a fun experience. It, it, it would have been more fun except for the fact that um, there was a mix-up on the flight and I ended up spending the night in the uh, airport because <laughs> I couldn't get a flight out. <laughs> and so I was kind of wiped out when the show was done. But but looking back, it was a great experience. Uh, what they had done had canvassed uh, different writers in the in the area. It was in Detroit, and um, Indiana writer Speed City was I guess close enough for them. And I don't know if any. I'm not sure how they selected me to to send that email to, or if they sent it to other people. Uh, but that's that's how I came about doing that. 
and I went to Detroit for a day um, and sat in the studio and was one of their crime experts for that uh, session. That's, uh, you, that just shows the show. Check every email, even if it looks spammy. Make sure you read it. Be <laughs> yeah. You could be stranded in an airport for a night. <laughs> it, and it's not a fun experience by a long shot. And it's spooky, too. Oh, you had a story idea. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I had a story idea as soon as I said that. Okay, oh, go ahead. Don't say that out loud. It'll get stolen on the podcast. Save uh, yeah, it. okay, yeah. Write it down. That, that's just for you. <laughs> One thing I'm forever having to stop myself uh, on this podcast is that once in a while I want to talk about my story idea before I write it. And I'm, nope, don't do that. Yeah. Don't be anymore. <laughs> Well, one more. Uh, I say a softball. It's not a softball. This will be probably the hardest question I ask all night. And then we're going to get down to talking about Murder 2020, the new anthology uh, available uh, now. Uh, but my uh, impossible question uh, is, what is, if you could only recommend one mystery novel that esteemed audience listing would enjoy, that you would want them to read, what would it be? And I will pick Cheryl to go first. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, there are so many good books. And, you know, there's, there's also, you know, some books that kind of cross genres. And I think some of those are my favorite. They're not pure mysteries, but they include a mystery. But I think, um, like Tony, I went through an Agatha Christie phase. And my, my favorite book of hers was The Murder of Roger Hyde. I think everybody should read that book. So even if um, you haven't read any Agatha Christie or if you think she's kind of dated or passe or whatever, I, I would recommend The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Uh, Janet, you look like you've got one on the tip of your tongue. One second. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be a visual display. Actually, I, you know, kind of being cooped up because of the um, pandemic, you know, just kind of stuck at home. I was looking for something that would be like comfort food. So what I did is um, I had gotten, um, I, I went through all of Deborah Crombie's, I had read them like in bits and pieces over the years, and then I started um trying to find them in order and I just picked up her last one and what I really like about her writing and her stories is the plots are really rich um, she has like a husband and wife um, you know British detectives um, um, working for Scotland Yard um, and they um, they are fully developed characters she has a way of um, infusing the stories with a sense of place like like few other writers do. Maybe Louise Penny with the Three Pines um, novels are as um, um, rich in detail about with a sense of place, but hers are just really um, just, she invokes like all of your senses while, while you're reading. I mean, you can practically, you know, taste the beer that they're drinking in the, in the pub and you can like, you know, smell the rain um, as you're, um, walking through a Cotswold village. As a matter of fact, the last one takes place in the Cotswolds in a couple of towns where I actually visited about 20 years ago. So I can, I, I was picturing all this and, and the detail was just so rich, but it's like that in every one of her books. And um, 
And I think I, I read more as a writer now, anyhow, looking for how does she do that? How does she like give you a picture of who that person is so that you can see them really clearly and you can hear their voice in a detail that's not intrusive? Um, so anyhow, my, my, my latest favorite is um, A Bitter Feast by Deborah Crombie. Next week, it'll be something else. <laughs> ah, Tony, what have you got for us? Well, I, I saw that J- Janet went for a, a, a visual, and so I decided to, uh, to get a visual. And this is somebody that I know, um, Rob, that you've had on your podcast before, William Kent Kruger. I am so passionate right now about this book, This Tender Land. It's his new standalone um, it's a modern day odyssey. Well, when I say modern day, I mean, it's more modern than the actual original odyssey, but it takes place uh, in the forties. And it's just, a, it's a wonderful coming of age murder mystery. It's, it's, it's a glorious thing. And I, I, and I just like Janet said, you know, you, you analyze some of these writers and you just wonder how do they do it? It's so literate and it's so vivid and I wish I could write like this guy um uh but just yeah so if I had uh if I could recommend a book it would be This Tender Land by William Kent Kruger my current favorite that's next on my list which one I was just going to say that's next on my list so ask me next week and it might be the same (laughs) I should mention uh, for esteemed audience to look at the back catalog, we did have the good fortune to get William Kent Cougar to do a written interview at the blog. She hasn't been on the podcast yet, but Mr. Cougar, if you're listening, and I assume you are, I've got all your favorite authors here, uh, please come on the show. I would uh, love to chat with you. Uh, and Lily, do you have a, a, a favorite mystery that you would recommend? I was racking my brain trying to remember. I think of one and actually the one that pops in my head is not a recent one it's by ann perry um she had a series about a um uh an english uh detective by the name of monk and his stories are the stories are kind of like mid 19th century uh but the, the mysteries were good but the thing i liked about it too was our character development of the uh of the uh, detective in the first book, he's lost his memory, doesn't know his name, doesn't know he's a detective, knows nothing, and still manages to solve history. Um, hmm. And as the book, the series progresses, he he learns more and more about himself. But but for some reason that book series just really stuck out in my mind. But uh, Anne Perry, and I can't think of the name of all the individual books, but there I've read about five of them, I believe. And uh, she's an English writer. Oh, and you got a nice series like that. There's no reason to pick a specific one. Esteemed audience is going to pick up the first, and they're just going to keep going all the way through. Keep keep going. (laughs) Well, Cheryl, to make up for the cruelty of making you answer that question first, uh, we'll transition now. I want to talk a little bit about the Speed City Sisters in Crime, uh, and then we'll talk about the brand-new anthology, Murder 2020, available now. Esteemed audience, you could be uh, clicking on the link in the show notes. You could be searching... Uh, Google right now to get your copy, order it from a nice local independent store, get it uh, headed your way. Uh, but Cheryl, since you, I think you said you were president at one point of the of the Sisters mm-hmm. in Crime, um, right. please tell us uh, more about the Sisters in Crime and specifically the Indiana chapter of the Speed City Sisters in Crime. 
Okay, yeah, well, I wanted to make it clear. I was president of the chapter, not the entire uh, or a national organization, even though right, right now a member of our chapter is president of the national organization, Lori Rader Day. So that's kind of cool. At least I think she's still president. Anyhow, um, yeah, so I can't remember here, but Sarah Paretsky, who is a famous Chicago mystery writer, founded Sisters in Crime, and I believe there are 32 chapters, most of which are in the United States. There's a few Canadian chapters, I believe. I am unsure if there are any on other sides of the Pacific or Atlantic. If not, there's only one or two. So it's pretty much a North American organization right now, but its purpose is to promote um, female mystery writers um, who write mysteries or in the crime genres. So, um, all right. So, but, but anybody who falls, you know, who um, upholds that mission is welcome to be a member. And we have several Mister Sisters, including Tony Perona, and we have we have actually a very healthy proportion of Mister Sisters in our chapter. I think we have one of the highest proportions in the country, but I'm not entirely sure about that. So um, we're all about mystery and crime writing. Um, we participate in um, events with our chapter and to some extent beyond our chapter. Um, and we have had speakers here who have been, um, when I say here in the Indianapolis area that have been sponsored by the national organization. We have applied for their speakers program and national has paid their travel expenses for for them to come here and educate us more about the craft of writing so um and they also have a couple events which i'll mention because some of your listeners might be um, interested in participating there's a we love libraries program and a we love bookstores program which is for independent bookstores and by looking at the national website um Libraries or bookstores, whichever is appropriate, can follow a set of a few simple rules and be in a monthly, I believe it is, lottery, and they can win a cash prize that will help them either buy books for their library or promote books in their stores. So it's it's a really nice program, and it's a way to say thank you to libraries and bookstores who help get our books into the hands of readers. And so for esteemed audience members who are very excited and want to want to contribute, where would they go to learn more and, and, and contribute? Um, you can look at the national website, sistersincrime.org, and all the chapters are listed there. And um, then by contacting that chapter, most of the chapters have website. And I believe there's contact information for each chapter on the national site. That would be a way to find out, you know, where they are meeting, how often they are meeting, and give them a way to kind of get their, you know, get the knowledge they would need to attend a meeting if possible. There's also a chapter called the Guppies, which is totally online. And um, aside from myself, which I think we can all agree was the finest uh, hour of the Speed uh, City Sisters in Crime. That what a wonderful presentation, uh, having me come and speak. But aside from myself, what types of speakers uh, could folks looking to get uh, signed up and and participate? What what types of speakers could they look forward to hearing? Uh, we have um, a wide variety. We've had people who um, 
have been kind of in the investigative role and talk about solving crimes. We've had a profile um, as a speaker recently. And then we also have speakers who talk about the craft of writing. And some of these speakers are chemistry writers. Some are not, but they all have something to say to us. And then we've had people who have talked about marketing, such as yourself. So um, it really runs the gamut. But all, all the speakers are announced on our website, which is speedcitysync.org. And so um, one is welcome to look and see who's coming up in the coming month. Right now, um, being on Zoom, so it would be good to reach out to um, someone on our website. So uh, a Zoom invitation could be obtained if people are interested in attending the programs. Hopefully, we will be back in a more, you know, in one place speaker and audience but that might be a while yet. We're, we're looking to um, do Zoom meetings for at least um, June and July, and our July meeting is going to feature um, the uh, writer Dan Wakefield. Um, Janice Thornton, one of our members, lined up um, Dan to speak to our group. He's comfortable doing it in Zoom. We've been debating about maybe doing it in an outdoor setting, but it just might be a little difficult and unpredictable to do that. And we're kind of playing it month by month. Um, so if anybody <laughs> actually reach out to me if you're interested in joining the Zoom meetings, I've been setting them up. And folks could reach out to you just by going direct to the website or what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you can email me. Janet W5112 at gmail.com. And you can go to our website too. There'll, there'll be linked connectivity there as well. But anybody who wants to attend our meetings, our meetings and the speaker part are welcome. That is a bold move, giving out your email on the podcast. You are about to be inundated with uh, <laughs> all sorts of messages, I imagine, from the Steve's audience. Uh, I was just thinking, Dan Wakefield, uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, out of the blue, sent me a Facebook friend request, and it just brightened my week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Dan Wakefield wants to be my Facebook friend. I am moving up in the world. All right. You are indeed <laughs> moving up, Rob. That is awesome. That's, that's is. Wow. Practically Kurt Vonnegut honors right there if you want to be yeah. Dan Wakefield's friend. Like <laughs> I'm impressed. I know that the speech of... Speed City Sisters of Crime has an amazing critique group. Uh, and uh, Janet, if you want to tell us a little bit about the uh, critique group, because I know that that has some interesting ways that that works that anyone can kind of come along almost at any time. Actually, I, I, haven't part I haven't participated in that critique group because when I've been sitting at a desk all day, it starts like at nine o'clock and I don't get up from a chair until like one o'clock and it's too long sitting. So I wasn't participating in that particular critique group. Maybe one of the other ones can talk more about it. Like I said, Tony, if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's Lily. Lily should be the one that should Lily talk should about be it. The one, Lily, you're the one. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. The critique group, <clears throat> there's no special um, appointment of people. Those that want to participate in the critique group can. And what we do is, preferably a couple of weeks before the meeting, if you have um, a story or a chapter of something that you want uh, the group to look at, 
you email it to um, uh, the members who is in charge of that. She sends it out to the other critique members, and then they offer their um, their opinions on it. Uh, the critiques are everything from um, grammar critiques uh, to content critiques. Uh, they um, the group is good at spotting uh, holes in your plots. Uh, and so the group meets, well, I'm not sure how we're doing it now, but we were meeting uh, before the uh, scheduled Sisters in Crime meeting. The, and the critique group would discuss the stories that had been submitted. So that's mm -hmm. the way we were doing it. Uh, since the pandemic, um, we I know I've sent out a couple of things uh, to the group, and and they email their responses back. And their corrections, but um, the the group is always careful to give um, uh, what's what I'm trying to say uh, constructive. Thank you, <laughs> constructive right. criticism, and um, and if you don't like something, uh, you, people have said what they don't like. Uh, and you can take that information and build your stories on it. And I, I really appreciate the group. I, I wrote a story, a, a short story, about um, a gentleman who had a, an addiction. And someone very um, correctly pointed out, before I write about something like that, I should know a little more about it. And, and things like that that are, are helpful. So it's a really great group. So you immediately went out and became addicted, and then you were <laughs> ready to write it. I, I took another route. <laughs> well, I'm already addicted to chocolate, but that wasn't it. <laughs> That's problems enough. There's, there's yeah. no reason to add to it. <laughs> I've got a, a friend, I won't say his name, but um, he is meticulous in doing ridiculous, met, almost method actor research for his writing. Like he uh, wrote about a scene in which somebody got uh, hit in the head in a specific uh, town in a specific location. So he went to that location with a vial of um, animal blood and put it on the street to see which way it would uh, uh, it would flow. So that when he wrote about the blood from this head wound flowing, he would make sure that the reader would know that it was definitely in the right direction. Uh, he's written about cannibals, and I'm, I'm convinced that he has at some oh. point part of a person because there's there's no way he would miss that opportunity. Me, I'm happy with a, a, a Wikipedia page, maybe a secondary reference. That that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, let's see, Tony. I got your notes on the anthology, so I'm going to ask you to tell us about Murder 2020. Okay. Okay. Um, well. Uh... The uh, this is the seventh anthology that uh, the Sisters in Crime group has put out, and uh, that I I'm trying to remember who came up with the theme. Lily, do you remember who came up with the theme for it? I don't really remember. I'm I'm thinking Bridget, but it, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, was it Bridget. Bridget? Yeah. yeah, and and so the idea is is murder 2020. How do you interpret? 2020. I mean, we all know it's the year, right? But it could also be a large number. It could be an eyesight designation, 2020. Uh, some of the creative uh, ways people used it um, when they came up with their stories to to submit uh, Proverbs 2020. I thought that was really interesting. Somebody went, I mean, you know, not all of the books of the Bible have 
a 20th chapter. So he had to go back and figure out which ones had 20 chapters and whether the 20th verse in that 20, you know, 20th chapter made sense to write about. So, I mean, you know, just really interesting how people interpreted, interpreted that. Um, and then, uh, so the three editors are uh, Lily and Michael Dabney and Sherry Held. Uh, they, we all submitted stories uh, and they blindly read, I, they read them in a blind sense so that they didn't know who stories they were and selected 17 stories. And, uh, and then that, that became the genesis of the, of the anthology. And did you, did Bridget know when she came up with the idea that 2020 would in fact be the year of the apocalypse? <laughs> 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 was that just a happy coincidence? <laughs> a happy coincidence for her, I think. Uh, but I, I do want to mention that it's really interesting as I've read through, because you know I just got a copy of the book and, and had the chance to read through it. And it's really interesting. The first story in the book involves a protest. And that was written a year ago. And um, yeah, so it was really interesting to read through that. Um, that was... Uh, uh, that was an Andrea Smith's um, story called Inheritance. And, you know, it's all about uh, a protest and a, a murder that occurs uh, in that. And uh, anyway, just I, I thought it was really interesting that she had written about that a year ago. And then here today we've got uh, the Black Lives Matter protests going on. Mm -hmm. So. And I should mention anytime we uh, start to talk about current events, although this is our 4th of a July episode, da 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 da, da oh, fireworks, it's wonderful. Uh, we are recording this June 16th. So anything major that happened with regard to the protests, with regard to COVID-19, or whatever other nonsense 2020 is going to throw at us, we don't know about it. If the aliens landed on June 20th, June 16th, we weren't aware, although the Pentagon had already disclosed them, so we, we should have been expecting it. <laughs> uh, so, Lily, I'm going to throw this next one to you uh, because you're an editor. I was looking at the um, guidelines. I've got them up here in front of me uh, for the 2020 anthology. You're looking at stories with a word count between 3,000 6,000 words. Uh, you're there coming in. Of those, you can pick a maximum of 20 stories. I assume that all of Indiana got their mystery story out and you guys had uh, piles of submissions to, to choose from. Um, how, without revealing any, 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 any industry secrets that, that must remain uh, top, top, top secret, uh, what, um, what was the process for winnowing down those submissions and for selecting these 17 of the highest quality stories that could be available in all of Indiana uh, for the anthology? Well, we knew um, starting out about how many stories we wanted. Um, <clears throat> based on the number that was sent in, it wasn't that hard to pick out the 17. All, okay, I guess I can say that all of them were not uh, perfect <laughs> at the start. So um, the ones that had promised, the ones that we knew readers might enjoy, uh, we sent back to the um, authors to give them a chance to polish up. We told them what our concerns were with the story. Um, uh, we told them, oh, for those that didn't, didn't quite hit the theme, we mentioned that. And so those stories were revamped, some of them. Uh, some just need to be tweaked. And then they came back to us. So, um, 
you know, we didn't have thousands to go through, thank goodness. But uh, we tried to get everybody in uh, that sent uh, a story in. And that was not hard to do, actually. There were, the stories that were sent were really good stories. And most of them were constructed very well. And also, it was fun to come up with the, to see the creative way they used that 2020 topic. Uh, 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 topic. Because when I saw 2020, I wasn't really sure how that was going to work. But uh, the folks adapted to it very well, and some very creative stories around it, too. And Lily, why wasn't my story chosen? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that was a mean trick. I apologize. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to just point out for a minute that uh, it was you had to be a member of Sisters in Crime. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that, that was probably it. I was going to say, that's why we didn't have thousands to sift through. You did have to be a member of the of the chapter in order to uh, submit a story. And there will be an anthology, I assume, for 2021 or 2022. But I'm assuming you you haven't abandoned hopes uh, to do yet another one, yes? Well, I, can I talk? Uh, yeah, Diana, I Diana Cat uh, and I are talking about possibly being the editors for the next one, and we'd like to do a, a Halloween theme for 2021. Ooh. But that's, that's, you know, that's in the talking stages we haven't actually um floated that idea past uh the sisters in crime group yet but but i know diana and i are, are pretty serious about it well, you heard it here exclusive tony perona personally guarantees <laughs> halloween theme for next year's anthology uh, you've just heard all of the wonderful reasons to join the Speed City Sisters uh, uh, Sisters in Crime. Uh, so get signed up now. Get uh, working on your Halloween stories, because that's for sure going to be what, what it is. Write uh, <laughs> your best story, and then mess with it a little bit when we find out what the theme will actually be for the, the next anthology. You'll be in good shape. Uh, my next question, uh, since I know that the uh, authors are all going to be folks that you presumably know, what is your favorite story in the anthology? And we'll go right. No, I'm teasing. That would be. No. But I will expand that out to, to the group. Um, and Cheryl, I'll come to you next. What is uh, the difference in writing a short mystery as opposed to a longer mystery where you've really got time to explore the characters? What are the, the challenges of writing a shorter mystery, 6,000 words or less? Well, I think it's telling your story in 6,000 words. And, and I'll put in kind of a plug for one of our members here, Larry Swayze. Um, he also did a program for us on short story writing. And his one-sentence summary of his presentation was, as long as I have a thinking brain, is a novel is an evolution, a short story is a revelation. And um, I think that makes a lot of sense. You're not going to have the same plot development, the same progression of events in a short story because you just don't have the time and space. But the idea of having a revelation that really works. Um, so um, for me, 
when I think of the short stories that I've written, most of them kind of fit there. I think some of my earlier ones were kind of like more mini novels. But um, from now on, I'm definitely keeping that in mind. Um, you know, and, and sometimes I think, oh, 6,000 words or, you know, like 3,000 words. I think that was our minimum, right? 3,000, 6,000. Will I ever be able to get that many words on this for this story? And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, my gosh, I've got all of this. I've got to cut, cut, cut. But I think uh, you have to stick to the whole idea of your story and really everything else because it's got to be concise. Same question to me. Same question. So Anything said, uh, you want to add about uh, writing a short story versus a, a longer mystery? Yeah, I um, I used to really struggle with short stories. I, I started out with the long form, which I think was is very different than most people. I think most people start out with a short form and then expand in, into that. And I started with the long form. So for me, uh, uh, for a long time, short stories were really tough. And I, I took a class uh, online from Dean Wesley Smith, who's an incredibly prolific writer. Um, you probably recognize that name, Rob, since he does a fair number of science fiction fantasy stuff. Um, but he, uh, the, the method that he used, uh, and it works for me for short stories. I've tried it for, for long uh, form, and it, did, it really didn't work. Um, in fact, murder on uh, murder at the Mail Review was one that Liz and I tried, starting with with his premise, and it 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 was a disaster. We will never do that again. Um, but in a short form, in a short form, he says, and it makes sense to me, is that you're writing to entertain yourself, and so you don't need to know where this is going to go. You just need to start out with a character uh, in a setting with a problem. And then you go from there. And he gave us some writing prompts and had us working on things. And, and I found that to be a really enlightening way of looking at it. For the Murder 2020 story, um, Liz and I were uh, at um, – we were at Malice Domestic in 2018. 2018? Yeah, anyway um, – and we had we had some time between sessions, and we knew that this murder 2020 was coming up. Oh, it was 2019. It was, um, yeah, it was in 2019. And we knew this was coming up, and we wanted to put a short story together for it. And so we started shooting around ideas with, you know, what does 2020 mean to you? And uh, and then we started looking up eyesight designations, and we were curious. We knew what 2020 meant, but what were some other ones? And then we stumbled upon. Um, people who had perfect pitch so it was 2020 for ears not 2020 for sight and so we started off on that down that rabbit hole and then pretty soon we came up with the idea of a blind man who has perfect pitch who can hear the frequency of a buzz of a cell phone and knows what that what that note is and it turns out that there's actually not that many – there aren't, aren't that many cell phone notes. When they buzz, there's really only three or four that are popular. Let's go figure. Um, and so and so, I, so this whole thing started spinning around and around, and, and we, we, uh, we sat down and we wrote this thing and um, had to cut, 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 like Cheryl said. 
But we got it down to 6,000 words, and we were really excited how it came out. It introduces a new detective. Uh, for us, we've uh, all of our stuff has been cozies, um, and this is a, an IMPD, Indianapolis, Marion County Police Department, for those of you who, who might be listening that don't know what an IMPD means. Uh, but an IMPD detective, Dan Talbot, um, and it's, so it's a police procedural, something that I never thought I would do, but it, it fit the story, and we're excited now about uh, having Dan as a as a character in another short story could be a, a recurring uh, character for multiple stories forever. I mean, don't milk that cow for all it's worth. My God, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lily, anything uh, to add about uh, writing a short story, a short mystery versus a longer one? I've thought about it plenty of times. Uh, I've written several. I've just never published any. Uh, or tried to get them published. I got caught up in the uh, Grandmothers Incorporated series, uh, so I really hadn't even considered writing a, a short story. So I, I sidetracked on everything. In, in fact, um, <clears throat> somehow I keep going back to plays. I know we're talking about books, but I wrote a short story that I had submitted to the uh, critique group. <clears throat> and after I looked at the story, um, I decided to make a great play, so I'm working on it as a play instead of a short story. But whenever I start a short story, it always turns into a book or a play or something else. That's <laughs> not all Yeah, that's. I don't know why that is either. I'm telling you, you and Tony are going to get together. Tony's going to write the lyrics. We'll get with Maria Spratis, who knows <laughs> all the local musicians. We'll get somebody that wants to, to put together this musical. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and when it happens, you're going to have to invite me on opening night. You'll have to say, well, it wouldn't have been possible without Rob. I'll say, yes, this is absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> well, if, 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 if Lily and I ever do that, we will make sure that you are invited, Rob. <laughs> we'll put the whole thing up on the podcast so that anybody <laughs> can share with it as well. Uh, and um, I uh, wanted to, well, I had a couple of, of, of questions specifically about mystery, but I didn't want to, I've been using this placeholder question, and it's a little bit of a lazy question, but I find it really useful because my original thought when I started this show was I'd want it to be a show as an author that I would want to go on, I'd want the types of questions I'd want to be asked. Uh, and so I always try to do a placeholder question. And what I mean by that is what's a question I haven't asked about the anthology, something you want esteemed audience to know about the anthology. Let's pretend I did ask it and you could tell us the thing that uh, you want, you want esteemed audience to know. Uh, and Cheryl, I guess I'll start with you. Okay. Well, um, I think one reason to, uh, especially, well, for any, any, genre lover if you're not used to reading mystery but um you would like to kind of stick a toe in that genre i think an anthology is a perfect way to um get a taste for the genre but for even for mystery lovers um you know i occasionally will run into people who will say i never read short stories i only read full-length books i only read novels but um you know, for the writer, the anthology gives you a chance to experiment with a shorter format and with maybe with different characters like Tony did. But for the reader, it also gives them kind of a smorgasbord, you know, kind of a palette of different types of stories to um, sample. 
and it can be a lot of fun to read. Uh, and Jenna? Um, what I like about um, a collection of short stories and what I particularly like about this collection is, is again, um, a collection that's built around a theme. Um, it's a really fun way to see how different writers kind of tackle that theme. Um, for me, what I often have done with, you know, collections of short stories is I kept a book in the car with me. And then if I'm kind of out and about um, and I stop for lunch somewhere or, you know, when I stop at a coffee shop and just read for a little bit, I've got the book there. I just kind of crack it open. I know you can always use a cell phone, but it's really just a fun way um, to um, experience an entire story, experience different people's writings and, and kind of shorter formats. And it also can kind of give you some ideas of maybe some people's longer works you might want to look at. Um, I've often leaned towards reading novels myself, but um, I've enjoyed the challenge of taking, you know, ideas and kind of keeping them in that format as Larry Swayze had described it. You know, just, you know, keep it, you know, a tight group of characters, make, make it a revelation about something, um, and you're, you're marching towards that, that goal. So I've enjoyed that challenge, and it's really challenging for me. Well, Janet, have we lost you? Hmm. I think we have for Caramel. She looks frozen, doesn't she? She does. Mm -hmm. I love that tip of uh, keeping a book on you at all times. I <laughs> the grocery store not that long ago before we were wearing masks uh, and I pulled uh, a switch out of my pocket you know and here I am a grown man with my Mario game uh, and I got a, a couple of uh, strange looks from adults and then I didn't do that again I stopped taking the switch into the store with me but I've always got my Kindle or, or my Kindle app on my phone so I've always got a book that I could be passing that time uh, so there you go tip free tip esteemed audience if you're over the age of let's say I don't know 30 Leave the Nintendo at home. Take a book with you. The time will pass. You'll, you'll learn something while you're in line. Uh, Lily, uh, what question do you wish you had been asked about the anthology that you'd like to answer? Hmm. Um, well, what question? I would... I, I can't think of the question, but what I'd like to say about the anthology is <clears throat> for those who don't uh, are not uh, inclined to read short stories. The thing about an anthology is, and, and I'm one of those people, but until I edited this, I did not appreciate the short story. Um, it takes uh, a lot of um, concentration and talent to, to mold a story into a, sh a short version. Uh, you, you, get to, you cut to the chase. Um, you don't amble on and on. Are we on a cursed podcast? I think we, we must are losing be. you one by one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> we might have to think about calling it. Right There's a story it's, here somewhere. It's Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. Right? <laughs> we're sweeping <laughs> yeah. one by one. We got a yeah, we got a drooling there. Survive, uh, but. <laughs> uh, the other thing that, that too is like Janice was saying. Um, when you're reading a novel, 
hopefully it's good enough you feel like you you want to keep going but it's like eating a cake just take a little bites of stories and later on take another little bite of the story and, and you can savor each story so that's what i appreciate uh, uh and then uh tony same question to about you. the just no question what question would fill in your own <laughs> <laughs> well i guess one of the things i'd like to highlight about the anthology is that you know many of the writers that are in there are nationally published um andrea smith that i mentioned earlier her her uh, story inheritance you know she's been published in alfred hitchcock magazine a number of times and, mm-hmm. and anyone who's a mystery fan knows that alfred hitchcock is a very prestigious publication yeah. um, um, and you know, and, and and for many of us, uh, many of, of us uh, have been privileged to be published traditionally, um, and so uh, you know, and, and recognized nationally. But we also have some debut authors in this one. Uh, Elizabeth San Miguel uh, has has her first story in here called Cipher, which is a lot of fun. It's a puzzle, uh, a puzzle mystery, um, and. Gosh, who is the other one? Uh, uh, Hawthorne. Hawthorne's first story is in here. And is this the, is this the 2020 Club? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, Hawthorne's. No, his is MD 2020. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, it was, it was really great to see some new people, you know, get their sea legs and, and write, a, you know, write a story and have it be, uh, and have it be really a, a, a good one. Uh, esteemed audience knows that I would never neglect to ask you, uh, Sis- Speed City Sisters in Crime, have you ever seen a flying saucer, and do you believe in them? Uh, and Cheryl, I'll start with you for this one. <laughs> oh, wow. After those weird sound effects? Um, I assume that uh, was the aliens arriving even as we were Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, actually, um, okay, a quick little aside. If you ever get a chance to go to the... Um, I guess, is it called the Aeronautics Museum or something in Dayton? They actually have this flying saucer-like vehicle that I guess the Canadians were trying to develop and then the Americans bought it and it looks very impractical, but it's, it's kind of cool to see. But um, I do believe there are other creatures out there, at least there's a strong possibility of it and have they ever come here? I mean, I can't say that they have, but I'm, I, I am open to the idea. I, I think it's possible. So you've not seen any non-Canadian flying saucers? I have not seen any non-Canadian flying saucers, but I believe the potential is there. Uh, Lily, same question to you. I have not seen a flying saucer. I don't believe in flying saucers, uh, but I do believe in ghosts. Have you seen my answer? Sure. Oh, well, we have to hear that story. <laughs> we would be remiss if, if we didn't get that. Where, where did you see a ghost? In my house, in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> An old lady laying in my bed, um, there for a second, looked at me like, what are you doing here? And then faded away. And I've been in an apartment that had ghosts, too. You could hear them walking up the stairs. And I had one whisper in my ear. I know, I sound crazy. But anyway, I was fixing dinner. Um, My husband and my son were in the living room. I know for a fact. I hadn't moved. And I'm at the counter. And the voice says in my ear, what's for dinner? And I looked. There was nobody there. 
Um, and things like that happen a lot. So, I don't know, maybe they're flying, maybe they're visitors from outer space instead of ghosts, I don't know. <laughs> but, no, no flying saucers. Well, that's probably what the ghosts are whispering, is Lily, look out the window, you'll see a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. This is the uh, year for that. Uh, you thought you were off the hot seat, but now that we've opened up to include ghosts, I gotta swing back. Have you seen a ghost? Who, me? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Excuse me. I can't see you. Um, have I seen a ghost? I have had similar experiences to what Lily described. I don't know if they were ghosts or spirits or messengers, but they were people, and I'm especially thinking of one that um, was seen for an instant and then disappeared, and it was very surprising that they disappeared. This is wonderful. That's so far 50% of the panel haunted. <laughs> uh, Tony, same question. Flying saucers and or ghosts. Uh, have not seen a flying saucer, but I am I am with Cheryl uh, and Lily in that I I think the universe is so big and God's worlds are so incredible that I I don't doubt. Tony, the ghosts have frozen you. This is magic. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you hear me? We yeah, had. You're back. If you can hear me, that's the important thing. So we'll just we'll go with that. Um, Ghosts. Uh, let me tell I, real quickly. I have seen an angel. At least I believe it's an angel. Um, the night my father passed away, uh, I was with him. I and and uh, I couldn't find the the bag that they gave me. Dad was in hospice care, and there's a a, a bag that they give you that has narcotics in it. And Dad was at a point where he desperately needed that. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't remember where it was. And I and I called the hospice care company. I said, "You got to send somebody here because my dad was was he was really suffering and and uh, he was on the bed and he was curled up in a fetal position and he was just rotating around and around and around and and I said, you know, and they said, you know, Tony, we're on the edge of our seat. Oh yeah, you again. <laughs> Oh, this is cruelty. When the camera unfreezes, we're going to come back and we're going to hear the rest of the story. Oh, there it is. Okay, so the, the angel was there. You were looking for the narcotics and what, what happened? And and uh, they said they couldn't send someone out, that they didn't have anybody available. And they, and they went through this. And 20 minutes later, someone shows up at my door. And it's this woman, and and I and she said she was, and this was like two o'clock in the morning, and she says that she's from, uh, you know, and and she told me she was from the 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 agency, and I said, but you're you said that you couldn't. She said, oh, well, I'm from California, and she had this story about how she got there, and and you know, and I I wasn't really paying that close of attention to it, but it was this far fetched story because she wasn't from around here and everything. And she said, but they called her. And so she came and, and she, and she just like went immediately to where this bag was in the house and, uh, and, and administered that to my dad. And then she's, and, and dad calmed down immediately after, after the narcotic had been given to him. And then she said, now when they're in this state, 
they like to have people, you know, in bed with them. And just so just get in bed with your dad and just be present for him. And so I put on some Frank Sinatra, which is dad's favorite. And and I just talked to It's just torture. I want to hear the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tony, the ghosts have frozen you again. And this, it sounds like the angel was there doing a good deed. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Back. Back. You want me to try again? Anyway, yeah, the oh, long truth is, she, she, she finds, she finds, she goes, she gets the bag, she gives the narcotic to my dad. She tells me to get in bed with dad and just to pat his back, just let him know that I'm that, so that he can feel me, so he knows I'm present. And she said, and I will leave. There was no record that she ever showed up. Whoa. Wow. And I and I I believe that was an angel. I do too. I do too. And she blasted away in a flash of bright light. You saw her floating up outside. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I wish I could say that. But no, I mean, she just said, you stay here. I'm going to let myself out. Everything will be fine. Wow. It was. Yeah. Have you written about that? I have not. Well, but now it, it's too late. The, the whole internet <laughs> just heard it. They're, they're stealing it. Uh, but the next anthology, or <laughs> well, you're you're on the board. You should change it from a Halloween theme to uh, angels that that showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the board, but that's all right. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. The, you're you're the editor. Uh, well, I might be. I might. I, Diane, like I said, Diane, I, I have it on good authority. 100. percent You're going <laughs> to edit the next anthology. It's going to be a Halloween theme that we just changed over to angels. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Janet, don't 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 let me down. Flying saucers and ghosts. What have you got for us? Well, I'm really disappointed that I haven't seen a flying saucer because I've been trying for my entire life. Once when I was a kid, I was um, at my grandmother's and was outside and saw this low flying, flashing object, and I'm yelling for my mom, "Flying saucer, a flying saucer!" And it turned out to be a satellite. I was so disappointed. Um, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've, I've been waiting to, I've been waiting for the, for the visitation from the aliens because like the rest of these guys, I mean, we live in a, we live in an incredibly huge, diverse universe. So why, why might there not be life somewhere else? And I think didn't, um, wasn't there just a study this week from some scientists that suggested there might be as many as 30 or so Earth-like inhabitable planets within the Milky Way. So, yeah, why wouldn't they come here? Or, or maybe why would they come yeah, here? Yeah, why would they? Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's the question. But yeah, I've, I've sort of, um, I, I've sort of believed it my whole life. And um, and you know, you know how when you're like in your teens and your twenties, you can kind of glom onto conspiracy theories. Like I, I, when I was in college, I heard Mark Lane. Um, he was a writer who was all wrapped up in the John F. Kennedy conspiracy assassination plots. So I heard him speak. So I was kind of into that for a while. And then a friend and I um, kind of got into this UFO kick where we absolutely were convinced that the government was covering it up. So we filed Freedom of Information Act requests to Wright Patterson Air Force Base for information on Project Blue Book. And we got pretty much nothing. 
<laughs> so, but we were demanding it. So we thought for sure a freedom of information request would crack that conspiracy wide open. And alas, it didn't. But we wrote a lot of letters to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. I had a friend that served at, at Wright Pat. Uh, and he assured me that when they would run around, there was one section uh, that uh, has armed guards uh, that's not for anybody without authorization. Uh, and, and he ran a little bit closer than normal just to test it out. He said they raised their guns, and he had no doubt in his mind that if he had come closer, they'd have issued him a final warning. Uh, and then that potentially could have been it. He says, I don't know, I wasn't there. Uh, but I choose to believe it as 100% truth because what a wonderful detail. Uh, and Janet, how about ghosts? Have you seen a, a ghost? Um, no, but like like the rest of these guys, I've, I've had a few really weird things happen. I was this is when I was still in Pittsburgh, and I was driving home after one late night at the paper, and it was driving rain, and this kind of voice in my head kept saying, "Slow down, hydro, slow down." There's a hydroplaning because the water you know how the water almost like is like a coating on the road almost like a river and um i had two exits that i could choose to get off to get home and i was heading for i was determined to go to the second exit which which was closer to my home when this like voice like in my head said get off now get off now so i did i did i turned off and and i'm watching the news that later that night and um, at, at, at my exit, at the other exit, uh, a car had hydroplaned, reverse direction and slammed head on to a coming car and killed all the occupants in that in oncoming car. Um, that totally freaked me out because it was so, I mean, it wasn't like a loud voice in the car. It was that voice in your head that says, do this and do this now. So like I'm, con you know, I don't know where that came from, but that was like weird. But I was grateful and freaked out. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Fantastic. This is the most successful round of that question I think I've I've ever had. I ask everybody about flying saucers and when applicable ghosts. Uh, Francesca Zappia maybe wins because she did her interview from a haunted house. But still, to have four of you and everybody's got a story, that's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. I, I'm well pleased. <laughs> well, here's uh, back to turning, turning, turning uh, our, our attention back to more earthly concerns, I suppose. Uh, my final question is always some variation. Uh, if there was something, one bit of wisdom or multiple bits of wisdom that you could go back and give to yourself at the start of your writing journey that maybe would make things easier for all the uh, authors and writers listening now, um, what would you go back and tell yourself? And Lily, we'll start with you for this one. Well, if you've um, taken the time to learn your craft, learn your skills, um, taking classes that you need, the only thing you have left is not to be afraid. Don't let the fear take over. You write and write and write, and even if nobody likes it. If you like it, write. Um, don't let others dictate what you can and cannot write or what you can and cannot achieve. And that would be my advice to myself. And where uh, can esteemed audience find you online again? I'm sorry? 
where uh, can esteem where, what, what's your website where can we find you online to learn more about your books oh uh, the books can be found on grandmothersinc.com uh, we also are on Facebook uh, and uh, website lbarnettevans.com and also cvroads.com that's my writing partner I'm sorry if, I think her her website is crystalvroads.com uh, and Tony same question to you what what advice would you go back and give yourself and also please give uh, your websites and things where we could find you Sure. Thank you, Robin. And and before we sign off, I do want to say thank you very much for hosting us on this podcast. It's been a delight and uh, and I wish you the continued success with it. Um, I, I think that I would I would tell my myself, don't swing for the fences. Be satisfied with hitting singles. Uh, you know, you get on base more. Uh, I, I watched uh, a number of people who just you know, they were they were determined to put out a book a year and that's what they did. And I spent a lot of time trying to fashion a book that I thought would, you know, was like the bestsellers that I was reading and all this kind of stuff. And I put and I and I, and I spent way too much time on that kind of stuff instead of just trying to put out a good book every year. And I thought I've seen that the people who did that were way more successful than I ever have been and and should be and so that's that's the advice i'd give myself is you know just enjoy what you're writing and and get it out and don't don't spend a lot of time trying to um swing for the fences oh and uh, can we find you find me uh uh, since I write pretty much with my daughter now uh, our website is www.elizabethperona.com and uh, Cheryl? Um, mine is similar. Um, kind of believe in yourself. Follow your inner voice. Um, there, the problem with fiction writing, I think, is it's, it's wide open to you. You can create whatever you want. But there are so it's so subjective. And there's so many voices out there telling you it has to be like this. You have to be like this. Or it won't sell if it's like that. I think you just have to trust your inner voice and go with it. And, um, you know, like Lily said, you have to master the craft and learn how to write those writing skills. But once you have that down, trust your inner voice. That's what's going to make you, as a writer, unique. And where can an esteemed audience find you online? Oh, um, my website is clshoreonline.com. And I also have a Facebook page, C.L. Shore, author, backslash mystery. And Janet, please bring us home. Um, well, I don't have a web page, but you can find me on Facebook. But there are about um, 5 million Janet Williams on Facebook. So don't mix me up with Janet Williams, the Tennessee tramp. <laughs> no. there's a short story there, right there. there really is you know maybe, maybe. yes oh yeah yeah okay um but but anyhow so, so what was the question again i don't know but i think we just we, we, my we, younger self. so technically uh, back me up 
because that inspiration occurred on my podcast, when you write the story, I'm in the acknowledgments. I, I, I feel that that's... <laughs> I think you could be a character. <laughs> Uh, my uh, question was, what uh, what advice would you go back and give yourself that would maybe make your writing career easier? Um, I, I, it's a variation of what Lily said. I mean, what, once you, I mean, you always got to be working on your craft. I mean, you're always learning. You're always um, um, trying something new. You're always trying to stretch yourself as a writer. Um, but. I, I think the big thing to my younger self, I would say, don't be afraid to fail. Um, to me, it was always so devastating if somebody gave me like a negative criticism of my creative writing. Now, I could, you know, my journalism, fine. I mean, that's that, 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 I almost had like two lives here. Um, I knew turning in a story as a, as a journalist, there's going to be an editor asking me questions about it. Um, and I you know, and maybe reworking it. But, you know, that creating, that creative part, you know, comes from so deep in your soul that you're afraid when you put yourself out there that that you're going to get a kick in the gut. And you know what? Sometimes you fail. Sometimes it's not that good. Sometimes um, you just can't be afraid of that. And, and, and failing, you actually can learn to be better. You can learn what you did wrong and what doesn't doesn't work. Um, I look back on some stuff that I wrote, um, you know, years ago, you know, even a couple of years ago and think, yeah, I think I'm a better writer now and I would do this a little bit differently today. Um, but just don't be afraid to fail. Just put yourself out there and, and especially, you know, write to entertain yourself. I, I really like that line. I think that was a really good, really good line. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to think of my short stories as writing to entertain me. Speed City uh, Sisters in Crime, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you uh, very much to each of you for making the time this evening and uh, putting up with our, our technical issues so that we could have this wonderful conversation. Um, as always, esteemed audience, uh, head to middlegradeninja.com to follow up on every episode of the podcast that's been uh, released thus far, find out who uh, is going to be coming up in future shows, read hundreds of interviews with authors, uh, literary agents, publishing professionals, folks you'd be interested in, download your free copy of Manica Bones and the jo Giant Robot Bees. Happy 4th of July, or happy whatever day it is you happen to be listening or watching this. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week. Thank you.